Welcome inside the Celtics Life Podcast. I'm Luis Gonzalez here with Justin Quinn. And for the next several podcasts and hopefully more, we're switching things up a bit for a playoff-friendly format. We'll cover the week's big events and then dive right into the playoff picture since we know that's the main thing on all of our minds, especially after today. How are you doing, Justin? Not too bad. I'm sure everybody's doing pretty well after today's big win. It's not too bad to start out a series with a lead for a change. Uh, I believe it's the first one in Brad Stevens' coaching era at Boston. I mean, we already know that Brad Stevens is on his way to being the greatest coach of all time, so I think he this is a nice start for him. Absolutely. All right, but before we get into the today's big game, uh, there's some things that we need to talk about that happened during the week, uh, namely... Larry Bird uh, stepping down from uh, president of the Pacers. No more Bird in Indiana, at least at the helm. He is reportedly going to stand as a consultant. Uh, What exactly that means, I'm not super clear, but it's really fascinating because the rumor mill has offered up the idea that he was the biggest obstacle to a Paul George deal with anyone, not just the Celtics, but, I mean, anyone around the league. He denied it publicly, but it was sourced from some some solid reporters, so I, I think there's probably at least a grain of truth that maybe the ownership didn't want to necessarily definitely move on from Paul George, but there was some tug of war going on at the very, at the very least. Yeah, it, I mean, it does make me wonder. I, it's like, what's what do you think is the, or if you can speculate at all, the motive behind stepping down as president, but still remaining with the organization as a consultant? I mean, it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. If you're going to step down from basically one of the highest positions in the organization, shouldn't you just totally leave outright? I mean, that's just my thinking. I, I see your logic, but the way that I'm looking at this, and I'm reading between the lines, so this might all be a bunch of smoke. The way that I'm looking at it is Larry Bird is a basketball legend, not just in Boston, but also in his home area of Indiana. Yep. You can't really fire Larry Bird without really pissing off the fan base, at least at least not where he's at now. Now, to be fair, removing your general manager before they make stupid moves to save their job is always the right thing to do. That said, when you have a legend like Larry at the helm, then you need to negotiate carefully how you how you go about doing that. And I do think that Larry is as stubborn of a GM as he was as a player, and sometimes that's good, but lately it hasn't been. It's kind of painted him into a corner. This is a way for him to exit with grace. No one gets pissed off, or any more pissed off than they already are anyway. And now they can explore moving Paul George. I don't necessarily think it's a slam dunk that he's going to get moved. But I do think that at this point, they will make a move if they feel it's the right one, whereas before they had to contend with Larry pulling the trigger. Yeah. If you had to put a percentage on it, what do you think the odds are of Larry Bird getting... I'm sorry, not Larry Bird. Uh, uh, Paul George? Paul George getting hey, moved now. Two great forwards. It's forgivable. <laughs> it really depends, because the designated veteran player exception means he's staying. There's a possibility he could you know, really want to be a Laker so badly or hate the direction they're going in so much that he'll turn down the extra 24, 25, I think it is, million dollars in that final year of the contract. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong on the figure, but I think that's about roughly how much more he could possibly make. At any rate, it's it's significantly more than the four years that anyone else can offer. But he's going to have to make All-NBA somewhere, and he's got a lot of competition. There's a very good chance he's not going to make it. I personally don't think he's going to. I don't think so either. Yeah, so in that situation, I feel that he's going to be signing after July 1st uh, when the new CBA kicks in at that point, wherever he signs, which will allow a sign-in trade as part of the deal. So he may be in a position where he could do his current team a solid by allowing that to kind of work in the favor of wherever he ends up going. So what that basically means is in the old collective bargaining agreement, when a player was a free agent, an unrestricted free agent. They couldn't sign in. They'd have to, they'd have to sign and then they would be stuck with that team for a sign in trade. And if the trade falls through, then they're stuck with that team. But the new language in the CBA, as far as I can understand it, allows a player to do a sign in trade as part of the terms of the signing. And if the trade doesn't happen within 48 hours of the signing, then there is no signing. So it's basically a de facto no-trade clause should he opt in um, and choose to extend. 
You know, I'm so happy I'm not a front office guy because basically everything you just said sounds like calculus to me. And I'm <laughs> really bad at math. So I think this is exactly why Larry Bird stepped down uh, because he doesn't want to deal with all these numbers and fine print and all this stuff. <laughs> the, the new CBA is, it's it's not incredibly different, but it's different enough that we don't really know how these things like the designated veteran player exception will affect things for sure. Yeah. I mean, the idea behind the DVPE was to slow down or stop um, franchise players, kind of like a franchise tag, but a little bit less onerous for the players to, to basically be able to offer them significantly more than any competing team for your, you know, your absolute best player who qualifies. Yeah. But as we saw with, with Boogie, um, this right before the trade deadline, so far it's had the exact opposite intended effect. And I kind of suspect that in the future, we, we will see many more teams who aren't entirely sure they want to be wedded to a player for five years, particularly if they're getting older. They might be hesitant to offer that particular offer to a player because of it. And that might end up seeing them leave. Yeah. So we could actually see more instead of less movement. Now, in this particular case in Indiana, um, I think that there's there's no doubt in my mind that if they can, they will do that to keep Paul George because he's young, he's so talented. I do think that if there's a, as we said, there's a very good chance that it's not happening. And in that case, I think it's it's really, you know, it's a toss-up. I, I, I would say almost a 50-50 odds he stays or goes. It really depends on, on what their management does in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, if he's out... That team is definitely not making the playoffs next season, barring any, you know, really big moves or trades um, in the offseason outside of Paul George. I could see them snatching up a good free agent, like a, a top-tier free agent. I don't think they have an incredibly large amount of cap space to work with, but I do think they have enough that they could, they could at least get a sub-max guy. Yeah, I mean, but I, I just don't see anybody wanting to sign with them regardless of the money of Paul George. Well, if you there. don't know that he's going to be there, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's everybody's... Uh, he's the first domino to fall this summer, I think, for sure. And the biggest. Yeah, and definitely the tone will be set um, after whatever happens with him. But we will see. There's there's still plenty of, plenty of uh, time between now and the summer. But anyway, we'll talk about... We'll start to talk about teams that are actually in the playoffs. So, next round... Round two, we have uh, Toronto going up against Cleveland, which is bound to be a pretty good series. Golden State uh, playing Utah. Utah beat the Clippers, as I predicted would happen, um, in a game seven today. It was towards the end of the game. It was, I want to say, close to a blowout. But anyway, uh, Houston playing San Antonio. That's a nice in-state battle. No, no long uh, matchup. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's that's probably the series that's most likely to go seven. Yeah. Do you want to uh, dive into our predictions for those series real quick? See, yeah, I guess we could. Uh, Toronto, Cleveland. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll stick with Cleveland for this in six. I know a lot of analysts are picking Toronto to win the series, um, but I just I don't I don't see it happening, especially after how much Toronto struggled against Milwaukee. I mean, I thought Milwaukee was going to win that series, but obviously they they didn't. This, their time is not now. I, I think Milwaukee has a very bright future, though. But anyway, when Murray comes back, they'll be better. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'll stick with Cleveland for that. Um, Golden State against Utah. I think Utah will manage to win a game or two. I wouldn't be surprised if it went six and uh, Golden State won four to two. Wow, but we'll see. It's it's. it's I don't know. Utah's such a good team, and I'm like pulling for them so hard, um, especially because Gordon Hayward is on the team, and I do like him. Well, um, I agree that that Cleveland is going to take the series against Toronto in six. I, I definitely think you're right there um, for the same reasons. But I don't think Utah has what it takes to even win one game against Golden State, so long as everybody's really? healthy. Oh no! Oh no! All right, well, I'm, I'm sticking. I'm sticking with what I said. I'm, okay. I'm firm. Okay, why not? I, I believe that they will at least win a game, and if they win two, uh, if they win two, I don't think Hayward's going anywhere. If they get swept, I think we have a shot at getting getting him oh, to yeah. walk away. That's right. All right, so I think Utah will win one game, <laughs> <laughs> or let's hope they only win one game. Uh, Houston, San Antonio. Uh, like I said, I think this is probably the series that's 
most likely to go seven. I do like Houston in this one. Same. I I, I bet I think the shooting is what's going to save them. And, yeah, and I just haven't seen anything from anybody but Kawhi from San Antonio in the last no. series. So yeah, it's like a one man team right now. I don't know where Lamarcus Aldridge is. I don't think he's been make, making much of an impact. Nope. Uh, but yeah, this is definitely Kawhi's team. But I don't I don't think Kawhi is enough to take down Houston, who's legitimately like all around team at this point. Last year you know, all offense, but this year, especially towards the latter part of the season, their defense has really, really come around. So their defense is actually really solid. I'm surprised. Yeah. Very surprising. Got one more. What uh Boston Washington. Oh, that's right. That was the game that we watched today. You know, I'm gonna be totally honest. Uh, <laughs> the first uh what was it, five, six minutes of the game I was ten ten shots, none fall. Yeah, no I thought rebounds. We were I, mean, I, I thought we were done for at least this game. I thought maybe I, we were going to lull them into a false sense of security with another 2-0 lead. Yep. I thought we were going to lose that game by 40. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, I don't know how anybody could have thought otherwise when they missed their first, like, 200 shots and got no rebounds and allowed Washington to get at least two offensive rebounds, maybe three. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it was a horrible start. Horrible, horrible, horrible start. And despite the fact that they did come out of that hole, I don't think that they that should be their goal to strategy <laughs> come game two. Uh, no. <laughs> they should probably get out to a better start. But, I mean, the turnaround was very quick. I was thinking to myself, I don't know why this series started as quickly as it did. I thought, if anything, the game should have been tomorrow, but I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody has any insight into that. Yeah, I mean, they have to deal with arena scheduling issues also, so that may have played into it. Yeah, you know, There's, there's going to be other things going on in these arenas on other oh, nights, too. Right. So yeah, if uh, they have an opening, then, for like, for example, this game would have been Game 7 of the last series had they not closed it out. So my assumption, I could be completely wrong on this, but my assumption is just because they've already got the place rented. Yeah. And the Washington Capitals are playing in Washington, so that might have something to do with it, um, their series against Pittsburgh. Isaiah Thomas has been quite the MVP uh, since the China Thomas news. Absolutely. And, you know, we should actually backtrack a little bit and talk about uh, the Bulls' closeout game. Which was not much of a game at all. Uh, it seemed it, like they just gave up. Yeah, it was it was definitely a blowout. I think I, we're, they were up by at least twenty some odd points at one point in the game. Yeah, and Jimmy Butler looked hurt for most of the game. I'm pretty sure that if it had been a regular season game, there was no chance he would have played. And I, I I really feel that rather than necessarily giving up, I think they just knew they didn't have a chance to win with him in the condition that he was in. Yeah, I, I think. Obviously, losing Rondo was a huge deal. It was their biggest advantage against us. Yeah, and after he went down, that team, it, it, it wasn't even the same team. I mean, it was the same team we saw for most of the regular season. Yeah, for most of the regular <laughs> season, yeah. Very, very inconsistent. And I think that's that's the one thing that held a lot of people back from predicting a Bulls win, even though they were up 2-0. to zero. You know, everybody was saying, you just don't know what team you're going to get in Game 3. Yeah. You don't know what team you're going to get. And obviously, Ronda was out, but it, it's it's hard to say whether or not they would have kept playing like they did during the first two games, or if they would have reverted back to their you know regular season randomness. There's a Big cloud hanging over that organization now. Do they bring Wade back? Do they, does Wade want to come back? What's going on with Rondo? Is he worth keeping? You know, I mean, and then Jimmy Butler, you know, speaking of summer targets, do you, do, is he more available now, less available? I really can't get a read for it. I mean, they definitely have a lot of money tied up in Wade, which doesn't help. And then this whole Jimmy Butler situation, uh, that, that team and organization, I think – if not next year or the year after, they're going to be a pretty much a lottery-bound team for at least two or three years. Yeah, and it's a shame, too, because 
I've, I've, I've come around to the view that Hoiberg is not quite as good of a coach as I thought he would turn out to be, but I do think that he is, you know, a middle of the pack coach and the, the fire Hoiberg chance that we were hearing at the end of the game yeah. really should have been fire Garpacks in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And Brad Stevens wasn't very happy about those chants. I don't know if you saw, but I did. Uh, yeah, not Brad. Yeah. I, I was wondering what they, I, I while the game was going on, I'm, I was trying to figure out what it was that they were, what the crowd was saying, and then I found out afterwards on Twitter. Uh, but I, it's a little unfair. The team... It's never looked like the kind of system that he would typically use or why yeah. he was brought in. Yeah, he didn't put the team together. You know, it's it's not his fault. It's also not his fault that Rondo got hurt. And so, they really did overperform. Uh, he he definitely really he was at least Brad's equal in coaching for the first two games. Yeah. Uh, outside of Isaiah Thomas, who was your MVP for the series? If you had to pick, if I had to pick, whew, that's super difficult. Uh, a lot of people would say Gerald Green, but I'm going to go ahead and say Al Horford. I really feel like the value that Al Horford has been bringing throughout the entire regular season has been seen by enough people in this series. Because a lot of people I don't think have been watching the games throughout the regular season, and they just see the stat line that Horford has been putting up. And playoff Al Horford is putting up a much better stat line overall and doing all the same things that he's been doing to make all of his teammates better. So for me, you know, Al Horford stepping up, particularly in game three and four, when we really, really needed him to, to step up because really nobody else was at the time. I think that he was a difference maker in that series. And for me, I think it was, it was a real validation against a lot of the knuckleheads out there who still think he's overpaid. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think he's definitely proving his worth, uh, that, you know, that this, this contract is definitely worth it. You know, he's not the type of guy that's going to score 30 points a night, but his assists, um, his court vision, rebounding, you know, the, the knack for giving you a quick two when you're desperate for it and the occasional three. I think he's, he's definitely coming around, uh, to a lot of people that thought that, you know, the contract that the, that the Celtics, gave him was just way too much for, you know, the little production that he gave the Celtics at some stretch during some stretches during some of the regular stretches, season. But I mean, there was a lot of mitigating factors behind some of those stretches. He did have a bad tendency of disappearing late in games yeah. um, and sometimes still does, but I mean, you know, he's human. I think there the Celtics are definitely and Brett Stevens is definitely giving him a bigger role in games. As opposed to the regular season when he was kind of just there, I feel like the Brad Stevens is definitely taking advantage of his skill set and might be calling more plays for him or just giving him more chances to be an offensive player. Well, he's hitting the threes that we, he was hesitating on often also, or at least yep. taking them, not necessarily always hitting them, but he's playing a lot more aggressively with his shot, which is nice. You know, I mean, he's not really a scorer. Not really ever was thought of as one, but in terms of just being aggressive with the ball, it's definitely been, it's been great to see. And for what it's worth, Gerald Green was massive in what he did in the series. So oh, yeah. for those of you guys who think that maybe he should be the MVP of the series, um, I do understand that perspective. However, I think somebody would have been put in the position of a small ball power forward, if not him. And, you know, I mean, he did great. For, for at least the, 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 the last couple of games of the series in that, that role. But when he, when he tried to step into that role today, it did not go very well. And I, I don't necessarily think that the, 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 excuse me, the dynamics of the situation are that different with, between Washington and Chicago. I, I kind of look at Gortat is our next Robin Lopez. His game's yeah. a little different. He can't shoot as far away from the basket, but. At least in terms of, of needing to draw the guy away from the basket to help with rebounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that Gerald Green deserves some recognition. Once he was inserted into the starting lineup, the series obviously changed. Um, he did score a bunch and presented a lot of matchup problems for Chicago. And I think it's a testament to how just professional he is, uh, to come, basically come off the bench after 
playing very sporadic minutes throughout the regular season to come out and be a legitimate factor uh, for the Celtics, I think was a, was a pretty big deal. So agreed. He yeah. dropped that Tony Allen quote to uh, stay ready. So you don't got to get ready. And definitely worked for him. Last thing before we move on to today's game, how scared were you? that the Celtics were going to get swept in that last series. I didn't think we were going to get swept, but I was pretty certain we were going to lose. Don't kill me. It was not just me thinking that. I have Twitter to prove it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we were going to get swept, but based on the way that we were playing and all the circumstances surrounding IT, et cetera, et cetera, I thought that we would be lucky to win a game and lose in five. But we did win the series, so I guess it doesn't matter. So um, I think we got a, I think we got a new nickname for Isaiah. Oh boy, here we go. I'm all for nicknames, but or what is it? I mean, considering considering what happened today, um, not just on you know the the court with Isaiah, but also the fact that the torch has really been passed in, in truth today with Paul Pierce basically playing his last game in the league uh, unless he sends a one-day contract. So I propose with with the um, elbow-to-the-face christening that we saw Isaiah hit multiple threes immediately afterwards that we call him the tooth. All right, so that's the end of our podcast. Uh, we'll see. That's all right. That's I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> if you hold it against me, I understand. <laughs> That's clever, and I like it. But I, I definitely think that it coming back from losing his tooth on a pretty wacky play. Like I, I, I saw. I'm sure everybody saw the replay. Kind of got elbowed a that little whole bit. Sequence was insane. Like, yeah, like it was, it was like, wild. Morris turning his ankle so hard, I was positive he broke it when I watched the slow motion replay. Yeah, definitely. Just a couple plays away. Both of those things together completely changed the tenor of the entire series, in my opinion. IT losing his tooth and the twisted ankle? Yep. Yeah. I mean, after... changed the energy. After IT lost his tooth, what did he hit? Two threes in a row? Three, I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was three in a row. Yeah, two two or three, but... uh, it's it's crazy. Like it's like it didn't affect him at all. I've never I got a tooth it. knocked out playing basketball when I was in junior high school, and I don't remember what happened next. Never mind hitting three pointers. Yeah, I was about to say I've never lost a tooth like that, but I can imagine that it kind of hurts just a little bit. A bit. Uh, but no, he got his tooth knocked out. He reaches he reaches over to pick it up. Throws it over to the, to the doctor. Like, shorter type stuff right there. That's crazy. And then he hits two or three threes. I think they call a timeout. And then he goes to the back for like five, five, ten minutes or so. And he comes back with the tooth back in. Now, I heard some people saying that they think that maybe it was a bridge. But, I mean, even if it was, that's still pretty badass. Yeah, that that's that's pretty intense. I mean, he looked like a hockey player out there. But yeah, I I see, man, that that guy, that guy is something. Nobody but yeah, like call him undurable or lazy or soft. Yeah, <laughs> but like we were saying a little bit ago, uh, it was a really bad start by them. Got out to a sixteen to zero deficit. Uh, the only the only points that they had scored were came off of uh, two Isaiah Thomas free throws. So at some point, the t- score was like. 20 to 2 or 20 to 3 or something. And like we were both saying, I think both of us were, and a lot of Celtics fans, I'm sure, are pretty ready to throw in the towel. Uh, I was then, ready to put on the box score and go do something productive with my day, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then the things started to click. The, the shots that weren't falling started to fall. And next thing you know, the Celtics are back in the game. And I think we definitely need to give a shout out to Jay Crowder. Because yeah, he's hitting his shots. Yeah, he is definitely hitting his shots. During the Bulls series, he was kind of eh. Yeah, but, that, that's very generous of you. It was it was kind of more like thud. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I wanted to be a uh, you know I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was eh, but he was pretty bad. His shot he shot like two or three three pointers in the entire series. Yeah, it was horrible. But 
it's obvious that he came to play. At least for today. Take it. And he was six of eight from three, which I will take any day. And the C's just in general were pretty solid from the three-point line, which is also great. Because once... We all know that a lot the Celtics love to shoot threes. Most of the time, they shoot what somewhere between thirty-five-ish percent. Yeah, thirty, thirty-five percent. But when the threes are falling like they did today, I think that the Celtics can probably uh, don't kill me for saying this. All right, let me rephrase what I'm about to say. Okay, if the Celtics play the way that they did today. Exactly the same. Carbon copy. They can beat Cleveland. The latter three quarters, I believe you mean. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm not going to kill you on that. I do think that if Cleveland did not bring its A game every night and Boston could play like that four games in a row, then they could get swept. It sounds ludicrous, but it's really hard to defend with basically a five-out system if they're hitting when they're launching upwards of 15 threes per game, yeah. it's going to be real hard to beat. I actually just thought of something. You did say tw- the latter three three uh, quarters, but don't forget that Cleveland has a tendency to give up big leads. So I think if we got out to a 20-3 to three deficit against Cleveland, we might be able to come back. Just saying. It's possible. I am I am not as uh, doom and gloom as some people were. I don't know if they still are. The uh, the beginning of the last series really brought out some of the trolls from their caves. Yep. But I do think that one thing that is not going as well noticed over the last couple of games and today uh, is Marcus Smart's shooting. Yeah. And when I say shooting, I mean. Lack of bad shooting. That's the biggest thing with Marcus Smart, and I think that's what makes fans so frustrated with him, is that he has a tendency to just kind of hoist shots up at inopportune times. And bad places. Bad, bad, yeah, bad. I mean, he, like, he should know that the corner and the restricted area is where he's money. Yeah. But, we get uh, all this mid-range crap all the time. Yeah. Except the, recently. There are times when I'm watching Celtics games, and I see Marcus Smart pulling up from three, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And he I mean, just keeps doing it and contested threes and like threes off the dribble and it's just uh, threes in transition and it's just like, Marcus, please, just, just don't seems, do that. It seems like the booing that happened in, I think it was what, game four? Game four of the last series. There yeah. might, might be, might be a game off, but I'm pretty sure it was game four when he paused and started to pull up for that three, uh, from beyond the arc and the whole crowd just went, yeah. I mean, he's kind of earned the reputation, uh, but today he only took five shots. And only no, 40%. I'll take yeah, it. Only attempted three threes. 33% for him. That's above average. Yeah, six points. But I, I definitely don't think that this this is, a, this is not a series for him to show up offensively. No, we don't need him to. Yeah, no, definitely not. He's going to make this his money this series defensively. For sure. Playing bigger than he is, using his yeah. strength. Yeah, for Their sure. Hartford is not anywhere near as strong, apart from Gortat, uh, now that Morris is out for at least a game. Speaking of which, before I forget about that again, because I meant to say something about that before, what do you think that the uh, the ankle situation means for this series with uh, Morris? I mean, he did say that he was going to play. Yeah, you so know, he, yeah, exactly. I will say that if he does play, it's going to be like he's 10% there. I can't imagine him being effective, if at all, well, here's playing the thing. with if a they, sprained angle. If they ice the crap out of it and wrap it super tight, he can probably come in and do kind of like an Amir, uh, uh, I'm in the game for 5 to 10, doing some some crucial spot work. Yeah, but once it once he comes back out, stops moving on it, it'll stiffen up, and he won't be able to play at all. Yeah, no, I I I can't even imagine that. I think it's all talk right now. Yeah, keeping the Celtics on or Brad Stevens on edge, trying to figure out 
because the lineup is going to have to change. One thing that we should mention is that Gerald Green, Brad decided before the game to keep Gerald Green in the starting uh, starting uh, lineup, and that didn't work out very well. Like two minutes. Yeah, and he got pulled and replaced with Amir Johnson, and that didn't work either. I think that, you know, it keeps Brad Stevens on edge, uh, keeps his, the, the ideas behind what rotation he's going to start, uh, trot out kind of in flux. But I, I don't think he's going to play. I can't imagine that he does. If, if he's going to play hurt, he might as well just not play and at least wait a game or two. Agreed. You know, can't come back game three, game four when you're a little more rested, but to come back game two. When your foot after, looks like a watermelon. Yeah, like you're going to end up doing more damage to it than it's worth. And granted, he's got summer to rehab it, but like, let's let's be honest. I think most of us who are listening or talking uh, saw what his ankle looked like, and I will be damned if it was not at a ninety degree angle from the rest of his leg. Yeah, it was. It was one of the worst like turns of an ankle I've ever seen in an NBA game. I, I I definitely thought he had broken it, but then he was grabbing his his knee, and I'm like, oh wait, did he like tear his ACL or something or? Some sort of hyperextension or what have you. I don't know. He's well, I hope, he, I hope he's all right. You know, no, yeah, I don't, don't want to see him out of the series. I'm not going to lie. I'm not upset that we have something of a rotation advantage that's gotten even better in the situation, but I would really much rather have beaten them at full strength. Yeah. Yeah. But with him out of the lineup, we saw the game shift pretty dramatically that on top of IT losing his tooth. <laughs> um, the, the, the game shifted pretty dramatically and it allowed the Celtics to play pretty small, uh, with, I think at one point it was like Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, uh, Jerry. Terry Rozier was really effective on the boards. Yeah, eight rebounds. That, that dude can fly, fly and grab these rebounds from like the highest point. It's crazy. I was honestly surprised. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not. I mean, we've all seen how athletic he is. I see. I'm always thinking of him in terms of you know guarding someone, just being using his length to poke the ball away, and then just like run down the court for a quick dunk, some some you know good energy play off the bench. But I hadn't ever really thought of him as a rebounder. Yeah, yeah. He's he he definitely showed up with the rebounds today, which for a Celtics team <laughs> like ours <laughs> is, is very crucial. And fun fact for for everybody listening, this rebounds were actually tied today, which hasn't happened in I don't know how long. But I did see an interesting stat that said that uh, as long as the Celtics keep the rebound margin within five, they've only lost like three games out of like 40 wow. or something like that. So that's pretty good. Basically, the key to victory for the Celtics is keep the rebound margin within five or out-rebound a team, and it's like a guaranteed victory. But anyway, yeah, Terry Rozier showing up with the rebounds is super crucial. Um, Al Horford basically had a triple-double. He came an assist shy, if I'm not mistaken, or or a rebound shy, one of the two, uh, which is huge. I think, like we were saying before, he's definitely proving his worth um, in in the latter part of the, the Celtics playoff run so far. The the tenor of the, the match was very, very different. You know, I mean, like, as terrible of a coincidence as it was to have had a funeral game between the two, you know, I was really waiting for to see in the audience or just hear somebody say something really stupid about a funeral series, which we've avoided, thank God. Yeah, I'm really happy that everybody has been decent enough to avoid that narrative. Yeah, and, like, I even, like... The, the players were actually being friendly. The opposing players were being friendly with each other on the court, which is super unusual. I, I expected, you know, I didn't, I didn't think anyone was going to come out of their neck and, and say something as gosh, you know, trying to like bring uh, Isaiah's situation into the game. But I, I didn't expect the level of, you know, I guess you could say bad feelings between the club to diminish at all. And it, it almost seems like, like the buddies. I mean, I definitely think that everybody sort of made a lot more of what happened uh, between the Celtics and the Wizards during the regular season, like the Jay Crowder thing with uh, John Wall and the finger in the face and 
Marcus Smart and John Wall. I, you know, I, I think it's just two teams. Jake Carter said this earlier today or yesterday during an interview. I think it's just two teams that are just hyper-competitive that just want to win. Both young, they, both trying to fight their way back up the chain. Yeah, exactly. And they're both just super competitive and just want to beat each other. And sometimes these emotions kind of boil over in the heat of the moment. Loose balls, et cetera, et cetera. You know, non, non-calls what have you. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little overblown. And I think the, the funeral game was the peak of that. But I, I think definitely now both of these teams are ready to put all of that behind them and just play. I don't think either team can afford to, you know, risk a suspension over some stupid technical. Yeah. Petty, yeah. Whatever. There, there was a good comment I ran into on Twitter earlier about you can't really have a rivalry with a team you haven't played in the playoffs for 33 years. Yeah, that all, that's valid. But I'm enjoying the regular season play, and obviously I'm enjoying the postseason play between these two clubs. So, I, you know, of all the teams where their trajectory is looking in the East, I kind of feel like the Wizards might be best placed to be a rival for the Celtics over the, the, once, once we really hit our stride over the next couple of years, I think that they'll be not too far behind us, assuming they manage their team well. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, looking forward and also this game, let's say this game and looking ahead, who would you say is your X factor? All right. First, who, who do you think was the X factor today? X Factor today. Hmm. But well, before you give yours, I, I definitely would would have to say Marcus Smart. I mean, his defense was incredible. But incredible. Jay Crowder's offense. Hmm. So you're going offense. I'm going defense. Which is weird because that's usually my gig. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't, uh, yeah. Oh man, it's hard to say. Did our defense get us back in the game, or did our offense get get us back into the game? I mean, I think our defense got us back into the game because we could have shot 100%, but if the Wizards kept shooting as well as they did, we would have never won the game. But And I definitely think Marcus Smart had a lot to do with our run back into the game. You know, in the last series, there were the uh, comments between the Wizards and Atlanta where Millsaps said something to the effect that they were, uh, they were practicing mixed martial arts, and <laughs> I kind of feel yeah. like they, they stepped into the arena and, and did not win the fight this time. No, definitely not. So, predictions for game two? Hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, I I can't imagine that the Wizards are, or the Celtics are going to allow the Wizards to go out to a 20-3 to lead in the first quarter again. That said, if it does happen, I don't think the Celtics come back. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it'll be tightly contested in the first half, second half as well. I anticipate a much tighter game, but I, I, I do think that the Celtics will, will win this one. I, this is especially if, if Morris is out. That's what I was going to say. I think it'll be a tightly contested game through the first three quarters. Gortat's going to get tired because Morris isn't going to play, no matter what he says, for at least the next game. Yeah. And I think that the, the Celts uh, make it through with a squeaker. Single-digit win, but it's a solid win. Yeah, the, the reason that the Morris injury is so devastating for Washington is that, again, it allows us to play small, and we when we play small, that's, that's their we're center. at our best. That's their center, and they, I mean, Gortat can't. We saw we saw Isaiah up against Gortat today, and it was just, it was, it was embarrassing. Yep, yes it was. So, you're saying Celtics in a, qu- in a close game. Close game, single-digit win, probably four, five, six points. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all, if, especially if, if uh, Morris is out. I, I'm, I'm, I think we both agree that he's probably not playing. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if this ended up being a blowout. It wouldn't either, particularly if they do try to play him. But in my mind, Scott Brooks is sometimes questionable with his rotations, or his lack of rotations, I should say. Yeah. But... but I don't even think that he is crazy enough to play somebody who rolled their ankle that badly that fast. I think he's going to do his best to convince Morris to at least just sit one game. So, yeah, he yeah he definitely needs to sit out for game two, possibly game three, maybe come back for a game four. Uh, but after what the game is on Tuesday, Tuesday at eight, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's right. 
yeah, I, I if the Celtics can get out to a 2-0 series lead, the way that they if, if they play like this, I don't see them I don't see them losing the series. And if they play like this, Washington will be lucky to win a game. Agreed. Yeah. Again, especially with Morris out, I, I think we we mentioned this a few times, or I've mentioned this a few times, but I I think we can't overstate how important this is for Washington. You know, it's not on the level of like losing John Wall. I mean, if they lost John Wall, it would be a sweep. But and John Wall didn't score a bunch of points. He had like sixteen assists though, which is great. But he was definitely very offensively reserved. He drove a lot. Most of his shots did not come um, from like pull-ups. It was definitely a lot of layups. And we definitely saw that John Wall can basically do whatever he, he was. He was knifing through our defense. Like, yeah. there, was some, there was some moments where Isaiah tried to guard him, and it was almost like he wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, John Wall... Versus Isaiah. Uh, laughable. No offense, Isaiah. You're great at so many things, but guarding John Wall is not one of them. I mean, most people can't do it. So Fair enough. Yeah, so yeah, we're, we're both picking Boston to win game two. Definitely keeping an eye out on uh, the Morris injury. That's definitely a, a big deal. But anyway, moving on. Gerald Green is still undefeated as a starter. You think he's going to be a starter next game? Definitely not. <laughs> I don't think so either. Definitely not. But he is still undefeated as a starter. So I maybe, think we might just see Jalen Brown at the four. Yes, we that's we should have. Let's touch on that briefly. Jalen Brown, yeah, he came in quick three, nice defense. It's like, and when was the last time he definitely didn't play during the Bulls series? He played. He played. I think he played almost one game. It was either. I think it was game five. I think he played either no minutes or under a minute. And another game, he played only like two minutes. But he did play some significant minutes early in the series. Not that's the most ringing endorsement. But he looked great today. Yeah, he looked. He looked super comfortable. Super, super comfortable. That's what I, I love about three him. almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. He can come in Jay right after. Yeah, comes in for not playing many minutes. And just kind of acts like he's just been there, and that's great. I mean, he's he's still a rookie, and to come in, give him the quick hook if he if he pulls a Gerald Green and doesn't doesn't measure up. Yeah, do you think uh, Brad Stevens starts Marcus Smart? I don't think so. I I really feel that like he used him in this game is basically the. Release the hounds kind of swarming defense once their second unit shows its face. Once, yeah. once Marcus Smart plays against their second unit, they, they have nobody that can get shots off when he's guarding them. Nobody. Yeah. Yep. So that, it doesn't just like slow down their second unit. It basically stops it and keeps, forces them to keep their entire starting unit in as much as possible. So I, I feel, I feel that Smart's minutes are going to closely mirror that of the second unit of Washington. All right. Uh, five straight wins for Boston. That's a that's that's nice to hear, especially in the playoffs. It's got to be one of the longest active winning streaks in the league. I haven't checked, but I mean, considering it's the playoff season, I would I would reckon if it's not the longest, it's close. Yeah. Okay, hey, I'll take it. I don't I don't care how it happens. I'll definitely take it. Uh, and finally, before we move on to some other things, Paul Pierce. That's is, all, folks. Yeah, that's it. Game well, seven. Surprise. Yeah, game seven loss to Utah, and that's it. Uh, Paul Pierce, former Celtic, world champion, obviously great player, Hall of Fame player. It kind of sucks to see him go like this um, in a game seven loss with the Clippers losing in the first round again. But I think you mentioned this earlier. I mentioned this earlier. Or I think you did. Uh, probably going to sign a one-day contract with Boston in the offseason just so he can retire as a Celtic. I can't imagine uh, he's going to retire as, like, a net <laughs> or, uh, or or a clipper. Yeah, I would hope not. Or a wizard. I almost forgot that he played for the Wizards. Speaking of. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I definitely think that they'll do the whole one-day contract thing, but... Yeah, farewell to Paul Pierce. He definitely had a great, 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 great career. No complaints about the guy at all. Yeah, I feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that works. I'm sure he feels pretty old as well. Hey, I'm older. <laughs> so there, hey. I win. <laughs> All right, so I think we uh, we laid out our predictions for the upcoming playoff series. Uh, we had, well, I had Golden State in six. You think that Utah would be lucky to win a game? Yeah, I, I don't see how they – okay, so – they don't really have the kind of like, like, I've seen them struggle a little bit when they are faced up with a good shooting team that has a strong man in the post and they don't really have that. They don't really have the shooting to, to, you know, go one for one for them. And their defense isn't bad, but it isn't that great either. So, excuse me, their perimeter defense. So I don't see where where they're going to win the game, honestly, unless a key a key starter gets hurt for Golden State. I I just don't see them winning a game. Yeah, Kevin Durant is back full strength, right? Pretty much, yeah. 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 All right, so move on from that. Uh, Houston, San Antonio. I said most likely to go seven uh, with Houston. I just believe in Houston shooting and their defense has really come around. And I think you definitely, you mentioned that, uh, Kawhi has basically been carrying the team or carry the team in the first round. They, uh, ju- they just haven't had any, any, you know, they, nobody's playing badly for them, but nobody's really shining for them either. I am honestly a little surprised they managed to beat Memphis the way that Memphis was playing. Yeah, they, they definitely came back and I thought that that was going to go seven. Um, and after, uh, Memphis rallied off those two straight wins. I was like, all right, uh, this is getting really interesting, but obviously the Spurs managed to pull the series off in six. Uh, but I think that series definitely showed that there is a way to beat San Antonio. Uh, uh, yeah, that there is a way to beat San Antonio. So we'll see. And uh, Cleveland, Toronto, I got Cleveland in, in six. Also, no argument. Not yeah. good podcasting, but. You know, can't argue with something that looks pretty self. Hey, sometimes, sometimes you don't have to argue with too much. I mean, Cleveland, Cleveland has been playing pretty well. That that, that series against the Pacers, I thought that the Pacers were going to win at maybe two of those games, especially game. I think it was game one. Uh, but Cleveland is Cleveland. There, uh, LeBron is money in the first round, so it didn't surprise me in the least bit. Well, he's got then, a, a nice chunk of rest coming to him. I was really watching his minutes and second-guessing the way they were running the team just because of that. And now we are in a situation where if Boston wins three more games, we also get 10 days of rest. And I can't decide if I like that or not. 10 days of rest is a lot of days. And it the, it can either go one of two ways. One, you come back from from that ten day break, game one, you totally lay an egg because you forgot how to play basketball. Yep. Or two, you allow everybody to get this much much needed rest. I mean, I think ten days is longer than the All Star break. I don't know that they need ten days. I think that they could be just fine with three or four. I say mm-hmm. five days is like the sweet spot, but I I mean I wouldn't be upset to get ten days off. Well, true. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. Don't listen to me. <laughs> but yeah, that that's a huge deal. Ten days is a lot. Of, is a, is a big deal. But again, that's assuming that the Celtics sweep Washington, which is taller. Not yeah, not likely to happen. But even if it went six, the Celtics would still get a nice few days off. Good which, chunk. Yeah. And then we have uh, Boston, Washington. I don't think we predicted this one yet. Yeah. No. Well, I have Boston six in my mind. They're going to lose two games. I think they're going to both be in Washington. Yeah. Well, the regular during the regular season matchup, uh, the series was split 2-2 with the home team winning each game. Yep. So if that does happen, that means that the Celtics would win in seven. Uh, well, or should go seven, yeah, because it's two. But I don't see that happening. I, I think, again, really depends on what happens with Morris. And if the Celtics show up again like they did today, if Marcus Smart plays the way that he did, Terry Rozier rebounds like he did, Marcus Al Horford shoot the way that he did. Yeah, Marcus Smart shoots less than five times a game, and if Al Horford uh, average or uh, puts up almost a triple double, Jay Crowder shoots from three like he did. This is going five, and that's it. If that, if that, but. On that note, before we wrap up, do you think the Celtics can keep up the momentum after 
winning this game like they did. I do. And winning, and winning four straight games. I do. I actually feel like their momentum is, is still building. I don't even think they've hit their full stride yet. Oh, really? If, if, if today wasn't their full stride, what, what does their full stride look like? I think they're going to play fairly similar to the latter three quarters, the next home game, and, and they're going to get Washington's best effort because Washington's going to kind of feel like we did not so long ago. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I think we're going to see Wall play out of his mind. I just don't think it's going to be enough. And I think that will be quite an epic battle, and that will tire Boston out enough where they can steal a winner or two at home. No, this is going to be a great series. I'm enjoying it already. Yeah, I mean, this was a fun game to watch. Everybody was pretty scared <laughs> in the opening minutes, but they they rallied back. And I don't know if we can say enough about the resolve of this team, especially Isaiah Thomas. This year, you know? absolutely not. I mean, yeah. I, I've been avoiding even talking about it too much, just because, frankly speaking. Getting a tooth knocked out will have me going home from work, never mind all the other things that have been going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, big ups to IT and Al Horford and just everybody for really showing up today. This was definitely a, a team effort. More for teams. Sure. Yeah, so more more of this, Boston, please. I'm, I'm pretty sure that all of the Celtics listen to this podcast. So, um, So, please... Play like you did today, minus the 20 to 3 deficit. Cool? Cool. cool. All right, guys. So uh, check out the links at the top of CelticsLife.com. We have a huge variety of shirts and hoodies in our store, and you can even get tickets to the Celtics next game under that heading. Anyway, you can find our pod on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and most pod catcher apps. Uh, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to rate us five stars. If you don't like something or if you have a suggestion, let us know with a comment on our, on a Celtics Life article or on Twitter with the hashtag Celtics Life Pod. We're trying to bring you the Celtics coverage you want the way you like it. You know, it's playoff time, so we're, we're trying to we're trying to give you everything everything you want. Um, anything you want to mention, Justin, before we close out? Uh, not too much. Uh, I'm working on some more of the draft stuff that should be out pretty soon. Just some previews of some of the people that you guys told me you wanted to hear more about in terms of potential prospects for the 36 pick coming from Minnesota. And in coming weeks, uh, particularly if we get one of those longer breaks from the playoffs, I'll try to fill some of the space with some more of that kind of stuff. And, yeah, keep an eye out for all kinds of playoff coverage uh, as it relates to the Celtics, and I'm sure you'll see some more stuff about Paul Pierce on the site, too. For sure. All right, well, that wraps us up. We'll hope that the Celtics can pull off a game to blow out, (laughs) or just a victory will, will work. I'll take it. Yeah. See you guys. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.